Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Michael, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. This week we're talking about Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson and Elon Musk and space tourism and what the heck is the point to the whole thing. Um, I'm joined by Professor Louis Brennan, who's Professor of Business Studies at Trinity College, Dublin. You wrote a very interesting piece about this in the conversation, uh, Louis, which I, I really enjoyed. But just before we get into the specifics of that, what's the point of space tours? I'm trying to get my head around it. What's the point to it all? Yeah, well, it's a, it's, it's a very good question. And, and it's, it's, it's a question that's not without um, its controversies, um, the whole purpose of space tourism. I suppose if we step back and we look at the journey of humanity through the centuries and through the ages, um, human race has always been a pioneering race. It's always been exploring. It's always been aiming for the next frontier and so on. So that sense of adventure, that pioneering spirit um, is very much, um, you know, a driver of space tourism and giving people um, the opportunity to uh, engage in the next big thing, as it were. You know, if we go back Are, are you the- being generous here? Because I, I do take the point, and there's definitely is another side to this which we can explore, which is humanity looking to the stars and looking to maybe... Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe colonize other planets for mm. the purpose of surviving and, and not yes. going extinct. There's another motive, which is that you happen to have, you know, $20 billion and you're only going to live for another 11 years and you want to spend 55 million of it visiting the the International Space Station or 28 million of it taking a ride with Jeff Bezos. And it's not even really space, is it? Because it's, it's 50 miles up or 60 miles up. <sighs> I mean, yes, you're weightless, but you can see the curve of the Earth. But it's not exactly Star Trek. No, I mean it's 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 not that you're you know soaring into the heavens way beyond um, you know through the galaxy and into other galaxies by no means. But I think you have to remember that we're very much in the beginning stages of this um, adventure into space. I mean, if you go back in time, like if you go back to the start of of space exploration. You know, you had two major actors at that stage, which were the two superpowers, the United States and the then Soviet Union. And you, 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 you fast forward to today, and what you have is you have some 70 countries worldwide that are involved in various ways, including Ireland, in space-related activity. But in addition then, and what this is where Bezos and Branson and Musk come in, is you've, you've seen a, a movement over the past decade and more 
towards the, the involvement of the private sector in space and towards the involvement of what I call super empowered individuals. These are super wealthy individuals. I mean, after all, Bezos is the wealthiest individual in the world. Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, this week, I believe, unless I'm wrong, I think Bernard Arnault uh, okay. overtook him slightly okay, by, yes. a, by a few dozen million dollars or something right. paltry like that. Yeah, well, I believe that when Bezos went into space there two weeks ago, he was actually the richest man Correct. in the world at that he stage. He was, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So there's no question that, you know, coming back to your question, that there that there is, of course, a huge ego element in all of this, particularly for these, um, you know, super wealthy individuals. I mean, the, 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 the um, phrase boys with toys, wealthy boys with toys has been thrown around to characterize their activity in relation to space. And beyond that, of course, there's, 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 there's a really good argument that has been raised by many people, which is these people have so much money. Isn't there so much more they could be doing with their money other than uh, spending it on space exploration and space um, adventures? Well, I suppose if you step back and look at the history of space and look at what space has done for planet Earth and the population and the people of planet Earth, then maybe you would think again, because there is so much today that we have in terms of capabilities on planet Earth, in terms of the ability to communicate, in terms of navigation ability, in terms of monitoring ability, in terms of weather forecasting, in terms of uh, getting to uh, understand the environment in terms of forestry, agriculture, and so on, that we wouldn't have except for uh, the uh, exploration of space, because space drove the development of a huge um, plethora of technologies. And if you think in terms of, of many of, of the things that we take for granted today, like, for example, your mobile phone, um, we wouldn't have all that functionality in our mobile phones today without space. So space has brought benefits back here on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. And so the, the argument would be that um, if you think space is just a frivolous activity, you can certainly take that view. But I mean, the, the history of space exploration would say that it has brought benefits back here to planet Earth, to our ability to operate. Um, it has enabled many inventions and many innovations. You think in terms of healthcare, you think in terms of all the healthcare equipment that um, developments that, that were driven by advanced into space uh, produced. Um, so there are benefits there. Now, that's not mm -hmm. to say that, you know, there aren't environmental costs in going into space as well. But yeah, I think I, I, think I read somewhere that uh, for... Elon Musk's SpaceX rocket, the Falcon 9, I think to to use it once, uh, it burns as much fuel as an average car would over 200 years, yes, something like yes, that. Um, yes, yeah, I, yeah. I think I'd agree with you. I defend uh, Musk and Bezos, certainly, yes. and th they have outlined clear ideology and they seem to be believers in the idea of using space and exploring space for the survival of our species. Mm -hmm. I believe them when they say that. Branson, on the other hand, that just looks like a gig. He, it looks to me a little bit like he's doing it, like he launched Virgin Records or Virgin whatever. Let's launch Virgin you know, Galactic, kind of for the crack. Yeah, well, of course, ultimately, I mean, Branson stands apart from Bezos and to a certain extent from Musk as well, in that Bran Branson is your is your classic showman. I mean, he's... he's um, 
a quintessential marketeer. Um, and he's also a poundland billionaire compared to the other. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's worth, I don't know, two or three billion compared right. to the 40, right. 60, yes. 100 billion yes. of the others. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but coming back to your point then in terms of the survival of the species, I mean, there's a real argument here in terms of, you know, if you, if you look at the state of planet Earth at the moment, and, you know, there would be a view among some that we're um, in a state of irreversible catastrophe on planet Earth with, with what's happening in terms of the climate and the climate emergency and so on. Will we arrive at a point in the future in which um, living on planet Earth becomes physically impossible? And will it be necessary then um, to think in terms of extraterrestrial um, living and being? It's interesting you yeah, it's interesting you raise that point because it's not directly what we're talking about today, but I was reading about the potential planets that we could colonize at some point. Uh, Mars is usually the one given in our own solar system. And despite Elon Musk saying that he thinks we'll be able to start the journey to colonize Mars in six years' time, he's always come up with these ridiculously uh, near deadlines. Most scientists say that relative to Earth, even the worst projections of the Earth at the moment, um, Mars is still very difficult. One described it as a hellhole. It's 38% of the gravity. It's it, it, We're not sure how much water is there. It would take a lot of advancement for us um, to be able to do that. And then, of course, the other argument that some make is, well, if we are messing Earth up at the moment, shouldn't we just stop messing it up? Yeah, in fact, that's often been said to me when I advance the argument around, you know, space being the, the the final destination of the survival of the species, that, hey, haven't we done enough damage on planet Earth? Besides <laughs> we don't want to wreck the rest of <laughs> exactly, the cosmos. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, just to go back to a few of the details of the launches that we have seen and that, that are upcoming, it's expensive, isn't it, to be one of these spaces? Oh, it's very expensive. I mean, um, you know, um, like... Um, Journeying into space is 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 not cheap. I mean, if you think in terms of the six hundred or so people who booked flights on Branson's um, Virgin Galactic, uh, they've paid in the region of two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a flight. I think Bill um, Cullen was one of those, wasn't he? I think Bill he, Cullen of Renault. He posted at the time. Yes. I'm yes. not sure if he still has his ticket or, or whether yes. it's transferable. Yeah. yeah. And then if you think in terms of the, the I mean, um, uh, Blue Origins, uh, Bezos' flight into space there a few weeks ago was um, uh, distinctive in the sense that it carried the first fee-paying passenger into space. And the original, uh, that fee-paying fee passenger was originally selected via an auction. They, they bid it in an auction. And the winning bait was $28 million. Mm. Um, now, um, that, that's high. Um, but in general, you're talking about uh, a cost which is prohibitive for the ordinary person. And you're talking in terms of space tourism for now and in the short to medium term being a very niche market. For, you see, um, what, yeah, what is it that that guy who paid $28 million for that seat can come back and boast to his mates at the country club at the weekend? Because he can say that he was the first or one of the first people to pay for to, to go into space. But other than that, what can he what does he actually say? Oh, you should have seen it, Larry. This curvature of the earth, it was like it was amazing. It just it curved at the edge. You should have been there. Well, for $28 million. You know, it would really want to be pretty special. 
Yeah, it certainly would. But it's often said by, you know, astronauts over the decades that when you see Earth from space, uh, it's almost like a life-transforming experience that you gain a whole new perspective on Earth, on the place where we live and inhabit, and that there is that transformational nature to it. Some people, just, some people just go down to the corner and take drugs, Louis. But I take your point. I take your point. I'm not trying to belittle the point. I say that it's, it yeah. is a yeah. life-changing yeah. um, yeah. experience. The other thing that's, that's mentioned is, of course, that you experience weightlessness, you know, which, again, is, is a phenomenon. But mm. um, no, there, there, there is certainly that kind of um, age in terms of, well, I've been to space. You know, I've won up on you. So on my other multi-millionaire buddies, I've, I've now got a, a step ahead of you. There is definitely that one-upmanship about it, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I've got the best watch. I've got the 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 first edition new Ferrari, yeah. uh, all of those things. For Virgin Galactic, it hasn't been an entirely smooth ride to this point, of course. We, we must no, remember. No, ab- absolutely not, because um, remember that um, uh, Virgin Galactic was, was established back in the early part of the century, I think in 2004. And uh, you, you mentioned earlier about Elon Musk and his optimistic projections and forecasts for going to Mars and so forth. Well, in fact, all of these breed of space billionaires, uh, they t- they, optimism tends to be a driver um, of, of their activities. And uh, Virgin Galactic and Branson had promised many, many times that years ago, uh, you know, we would, we would, he would be operating a, a regular space tourism um, enterprise. In fact, the people that I mentioned that paid up to a quarter of a million dollars to to book their, their flights they originally booked their flights back in the, in in the latter part of the last of, of the mm. noughties in fact um so but i think there have been fatalities as well and there have been fatalities i mean the, the 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 ship the spacecraft that that took branson and the three um galactic employees uh to space on july the 11th the predecessor of that craft actually crashed and the pilot, one of the pilots was actually killed. Um, mm. And there was an earlier instance, incident then at the original space port that they were operating in, where there was an explosion and a number of people were killed as well. So there's been a lot of false dawns, a lot of false starts, a lot of promises made um, by Virgin Galactic and Branson. But, um, you know, space is, 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 um, is not um, a straightforward uh, undertaking. It's very complicated it's very yeah. complex it's very risky lots of things can go wrong but uh, i think in terms of in fairness to branson and virgin galactic they're now at a point where shortly they will be starting on um, their space tours and flights on on at least a semi-regular basis well i hope they can keep the fatality rate lower than the industry average because i was looking at nasa's figures now you can't really compare like with like but nasa's own figures in terms of statistical fatalities uh, fatalities associated to to its space flights mm. is 3.2% which yeah. <laughs> means that one in every 30 odd people is going to die, you know, en route. Now, which is that, huge compared to taking huge. a trip in a car or, or especially even in, in when a you're aircraft. Especially yeah. when you're talking about the profile of people rich enough to afford this, they are most likely to be, let's be honest, older elderly or or getting on. They're not in their physical prime. They might have heart issues, they might have other other issues. 
Now, it's it's a little trivial to to compare the 3% of NASA to what's going to happen here because it's an entirely different thing. It was much earlier uh, time, and they're not going as far uh, in with Branson or, or any of these. But, yet, but even still, the element of danger is there. I mean, I've done other podcasts, for example, on the number of satellites that, that mm-hmm. are in orbit and uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX, his uh, Starlink. He's launching thousands of satellites. Sure. Lots of companies are there's actually going to be a real issue of trying to dodge uh, satellites when you launch. That's right. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned um, most space constellation, the Starlink. I mean, you're, you're going to uh, run the, the real uh, danger that they're going to have congestion in space. But beyond that, then, and, and perhaps an even bigger issue is the proliferation of space junk, uh, where you have satellites and space vehicles um, you know, coming to the end of their life and then disintegrating and floating around in space um, and perhaps causing collisions. So this is, a, this is actually a, an issue which is uh, garnering a lot of attention at the moment. And I suppose it points to the fact that, you know, space is, is, is the, the, the next frontier. And as a frontier, uh, as of yet, it's, it's not regulated or organized as, let's say, many of the activities on, on, on planet Earth is. So mm-hmm. there's, there's the, if you like, as, as often happens in terms of, of futuristic activities, the pace of development of these future activities out, outpaces the development of a regulatory and safety structure and legal structure governing the, the whole activity and, yeah, and your your point about space uh, congestion and indeed the, the 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 proliferation of space junk is a very real one that needs needs timely action. Yeah, one of those regulatory conditions I was reading, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, is that uh, among the things you don't have to have is a pressurized spacesuit. I know that Branson and Virgin Galactic want to develop this short sleeve model where you don't have to look like a 1950s Russian cosmonaut to go into uh, space. Um, But uh, some of the scientific opinions I was reading, I was saying that at the moment, with our current level technology, that may not be a good thing. On the other hand, and you've, you pointed out this in your article in The Conversation, you said that this, there are already tangible benefits in terms that are ahead of the regulatory schedule, in terms of, for example, uh, the technology, reusable rockets, in terms of advances in how funding is, mm. um, is coming into the sector, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... You know, we, we maybe have, have been a bit harsh on these space billionaires so far, but, you know... I, th- I term, think they can hack it. I think they can, they're well able for it. They, their mm. egos are sufficient to withstand it. But in fairness to them, I mean, they have made significant advances. And um, the, the prime illustration of that is both in terms of Blue Origin and in terms of SpaceX, their mastery of reusability that they can now, you know, reuse, bring rockets back to, to, to Earth and reuse them multiple times. And that has, has had the effect of reducing the cost. I mean, the most ex- expensive part of getting into space is that initial blast off and launch off in, into space. Um, that's, a, that's been an expensive proposition for decades. But uh, Blue Origin and SpaceX have managed to reduce those costs through their innovations and, and inventions uh, associated with the reusability of, of the rockets and craft. And that has been a, 
a, a really formidable advance. Um, mm. So likewise, um, you know, for example, in the case of Branson's um, Virgin Galactic and uh, his flights, suborbital flights, they, I mean, they'd also be carrying space experiments, experiments which maybe in the past you had to go to the International Space Station uh, to, to carry out, uh, and that's that's expensive and it's complex, whereas there's, there's space exper- experimentation, science experimentation that can be conducted in these craft, whether it's Blue Origin or whether it's um, Virgin Galactic, which will be um, less complex and much less expensive to execute. Mm. I've often wondered, not often, but I've occasionally wondered if I was offered a free ticket on Mm. one of these uh, Mm. flights, either up, you know, 50, 60 miles up Mm. or even to the International Space Station. I think that's happening next year. I think there there is a flight uh, and a couple of people have paid $55 million to go. Would I take that seat? And I'm still not sure the adventure side of me says this is a literally a once in a lifetime opportunity you would literally uh, experience and see things that almost nobody else in the world would and then the other person the other part of me says do you know what you're going to vomit there's about a one percent chance you'll die you may not remember much of it and uh and and you know will it all be worth it and i still can't figure out uh, which part of me would would actually uh, overcome the other what, what about you if you were offered a free ticket do you think you'd go I think I would actually, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, in terms of the options that you mentioned, um, you know, I, I've I've always thought that going on Virgin Galactic uh, maybe is is the easier option in the sense that um, it doesn't require, you know, if you're going to the International Space Station, you're going to have to commit to to a long stretch of training and preparation. Mm. Whereas if you go on, let's say. Um, uh, Virgin Galactic's flight, um, you only have a couple of days of preparation and training involved. Mm. And there is something, um, to my way of thinking and observation, uh, there's something particularly graceful and elegant about the Virgin Galactic uh, technology to see uh, the, the spacecraft um, you know, being carried up into, into space by the, by the mothership and then being released and then being launched and then uh, blasting in, in upwards and then gliding down and landing in the same place where you took off from. There's, mm. there's, um, there's something attractive to me about that. I mean, there's an elegance or something about it that appeals to me. Okay. Whereas sitting you know, at the top of a massive rocket, as in the case of, of Blue Origin, blasting into space and so on and coming down via parachutes, perhaps on land, perhaps into the ocean, just feels a little bit less attractive to me. Yeah, it's a little grittier, a little bit more, a little more reality. Finally, what do you think the end game is here? What do you think we're seeing the start of and where do you think we'll be in 10, 30 and 50 years? Yeah, okay. I think it's it's very useful that you've, you've taken those different time periods because I think in the short to medium term, space tourism is going to be largely very much uh, a niche activity. It's going to be for well-endowed individuals, high net worth individuals. I mean, the projections, there are various projections for the size of the space tourism industry to the end of this decade, the various projections ranging from two and a half billion to five billion dollars. 
Um, but I think more interestingly is to look beyond the short to medium term to the long term. And here I draw a comparison between the development and growth of civil aviation and space activity and space travel and space tourism. If you think in terms of space, of civil aviation, uh, for decades, it was the preserve of the well-heeled classes. And it only became a mass tourism, a mass activity, a mass market activity in recent decades with the lowering of prices and the emergence of low-cost carriers. I would anticipate that in the long term, you would see a similar pattern of development of space tourism. One other thing then I think that we can't exclude here from consideration, and it's quite important in terms of developments here on, on, on Earth, is just in the same way as you saw airports develop as huge commercial entities and huge commercial operations uh, driving development, creating employment, generating economic activity, and so on. In the same way, I think you're going to see spaceports uh, develop over time. And these, in turn, will become major centers of commercial activity, driving economic development, and do, so do on. You, do you have any gut theory or feeling at all about what that commercial activity will be? Because the parallel between space flight and flight here on Earth stops short on one key metric. And that is that when in the 40s and 50s and 60s, people were getting on planes, they were going to another country, often not just for tourism, but often to do business or to meet somebody. This doesn't have that end goal function. This is just going up into space for the sake of it. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you, you'll have the host of ancillary services, you know, the, the flight crews, the maintenance crews and so on. So there, there will be activity around that. In addition, then, if people are coming to, 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 to take off from these spaceports, you're going to have to have a need for hotels and hospitality and so oh, on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, yeah, could definitely, yeah. you could definitely see all of that. And the IDA, I'm sure, will be given grants uh, for and, I, yes. and, and all the rest of it. And there'll be a, a race. I'm just coming back full circle to the first question I asked, mm -hmm. I suppose, in this podcast. And that is, what is the point? I can definitely see the point of saving our species with an end goal of, say, colonizing another planet or getting minerals or something valuable from other areas in space to bring back to Earth, or maybe uh, trying to experiment on medicines or physical mm. uh, physics experiments uh, in space. But right now, it doesn't seem apparent to me. It is to Elon Musk. He wants to colonize Mars and other planets. Mm. It doesn't. It's not apparent to me what the goal is of a spaceport uh, at this point. Yeah, well, um, you know, if you take Spaceport America, which is Branson's new spaceport in New Mexico, which was funded very generously and very lavishly by the state of New Mexico, um, the hope on the part of the New Mexico state is that, as I was saying earlier, is that it's going to become a hub of of, of, of activity, of economic activity, and drive yeah. economic development and so on. In other words, it will have this, um, you know, agglomeration effect on, on the region, you know. Um, so if something is going to happen, let it happen in our area and employ exactly, our people exactly. and then they use yeah. our services. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Well, listen, Professor Louis Brennan, it's been a very uh, entertaining 25 minutes chatting to you uh, about this. Uh, Louis Brennan, a Professor of Business Studies in Trinity College, Dublin. And that is all we have time for this week. So for me, 
Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. I will talk to you the same time next week. Bye-bye.